among us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Good evening to everyone. And before I get started on tonight's show, I want to throw out a quick reminder. Tomorrow, Friday, June 21st, I will be part of a panel at this year's AlienCon in Los Angeles, California. Now, the panel consists of podcasts such as Hysteria 51, Blurry Photos, Mad Scientist Podcast, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, and somewhere in the skies. And of course, monsters among us. Now that panel starts at 10.20 a.m. And the subject matter is UFOs in podcasting. Now for those of you that aren't interested in AlienCon or don't have tickets, the fun doesn't stop there. Friday night at around 7 p.m., I will be at Scum and Villainy Cantina in Hollywood. Now it's not just going to be me there. All the guys I just mentioned, plus a plethora of other podcasts, will be represented there. So come by, grab a beer, and let's talk spooky stuff. Well, as usual, I have an excellent show lined up for you guys this evening. And being that tomorrow we're doing AlienCon, I thought we should do an alien-slash-UFO-heavy episode. So if you're a fan of aliens, UFOs, and all things mysterious in the sky, this is the show for you. Now, for those of you that aren't huge UFO fans, this is still the show for you. I'm sprinkling in some Bigfoot and ghosts and a handful of other things. So without further ado, what do you say we launch into our first call? The following was experienced by James in the state of Illinois. My name is James. Calling about something that happened to me back in 2004. The first, what I wanted, I wanted to go into. I live in the Chicagoland area, about 60 miles south of, jo- of Chicago. And out in this area, we have like three nuclear uh, plants. One is Brave, the other one is um, the Sal, and then one is Dresden. And I go there all the time to fish. And some nights I stay till late, you know, there's a river that runs along there and I fish out that river. But this is the thing, one night I'm at home and I'm asleep and I wake up around three. But right before I woke up, it's like I had this dream that um, I'm out here at the Dresden Lake fishing. And I'm sitting and it's beautiful and it's so serene, you know, and I'm sitting here and Someone is behind me and they're talking and it's like, it's not a lady's voice, but it's not a man's voice either. But it's a real serene voice. And they're asking me about uh, the plant. And next thing you know, I'm on this like a little trolley, like a, I don't know, like a little train and I'm going past the the generator, uh, the nuclear facility. And they're asking me, well, this calm voice is like, well, what is this? And I said, well, it's a generator. And they said, well, I mean, what does it do? I said, well, you know, produce power for the cities and stuff. Well, how does it work? So, you know, I'm talking, then I stop, and I said, well, wait a minute. Who are you? I don't see you. Who am I talking to? Then all of a sudden, I wake up. But when I wake up, I'm looking up. I'm in my bed, and it's dark. And I'm looking up by the TV, and I see, like, something standing there, maybe about four feet tall. And so I sit up, and I look at it, and then it starts raising up, and our TV sits up high and it's mounted. So it just starts going up, and when it goes in front of the TV, I see a shape of a, a head with these two red eyes, and it's staring right at me, and I'm staring at it, and slowly it's going up, 
and it goes on up and I'm looking at it like I can't believe what I'm looking at and it just raises right up and goes right out the ceiling and as it's going up the ceiling it's still looking down at me and I'm looking at it you know I jump up and I'm like man there wasn't a dream then I was so mad because I felt like I've been invaded but it was just such a weird story I mean I, I I don't know you know it's just strange and I just felt the need to tell the story Thanks, James. Now, to me, this sounds eerily similar to an event that took place on November 2nd of 1966. The arrival of a man named Cold. And the unfortunate man that encountered him, Woodrow Derenberger. Mr. Derenberger, in your own words, would you please relate what happened last night? Well, I was, I am a salesman and I drive a truck. And last night, uh, shortly after 7 o'clock, I was coming from Marietta, Ohio, coming down Interstate 77. And just before I came to the intersection of uh, Route 47, there was a car past me, overtaking me from behind. And following closely behind this car was this unidentified flying object. And as the car ahead, or the car behind passed me, this object, was following close behind it, and it swerved directly in front of my truck, turning crosswise. And when it turned crosswise, it slowed down. It started slowing not abruptly or too fast, but it gave me plenty of time to step on my brakes and slow down with it. But it forced me to come to a complete stop. As soon as I had stopped, there was a door opened in the side of this vehicle, and this man stepped out and came directly to me, or came to the truck. He walked to the right-hand side of the truck, and he told me to roll down the window. He asked me to roll down the window on my right-hand side of my truck, and I'd done what he asked. And this man stood there, and he uh, he first asked me what I was called, and I knew he meant my name, and I told him my name. And uh, he asked me, he said, uh, why are you frightened? He said, don't be frightened. We wish you no harm. He said, we mean you no harm. We wish you only happiness. And uh, I told him my name, and when I told him my name, he said he was called Cold. That was the name that he was called by. And he asked me what the city of Parkinsburg, he pointed to the lights. He didn't point, but he gave the impression that he was pointing, and he asked me what that was called. And I told him it was uh, Parkinsburg. It was a city, a town. And he asked me if most all the people lived in my, this city or town. And I explained to him uh, that it was a place of business. It's where we transacted our business. That the people lived in communities, outlying communities, most of the people. And when I told him that this was a city, he said that his, where his home was, that that was called a gathering. And... Uh, Again, he told me not to be frightened, which I was. I was, I was very frightened. And as far as I can understand, this was all mental. There was no spoken words from him. I knew what he was asking me, but yet he stood there and his mouth did not move. He had a smile on his face. He was appeared very courteous and friendly. That clip was from an actual interview conducted by WTAP-TV in Parkersburg, West Virginia, a link to which can be found in tonight's show notes. Now, I have a very loose personal connection to this particular story, the Derenberger story, and it's only this. The event actually took place about an hour's drive from my childhood home, and coincidentally, while I was back home in Ohio for the month of September last year, Sarah and I attempted to make a day trip down to Point Pleasant to do some uh, Mothman research. Well, unfortunately, our practically new car completely shut down, almost in the exact same spot where the Indrid Cold experience actually took place. Some of you longtime listeners may remember my rant about never buying a Kia, and that still stands. Now, back to James's experience. I couldn't help but see the parallels between his and Woody's stories. Both included inquisitive, disembodied voices, asking intelligent questions about everyday, normal things. 
Now, I'm certainly not saying that James was contacted. After all, he was asleep during portions of this experience. But I will say that his experience is not the only one to detail this sort of odd communication. In addition to Derenberger's experience, there have been dozens more describing contact, just like James experienced. Thanks again, James, for taking the time to share your story. And be sure to let us know if you catch anything weird around those nuclear reactors. Our next tale of the evening comes to us from my state of California. The following is Michael's call. Hi, my name is Michael. I'm calling from Southern California. Uh, I have two stories. One of them happened directly to me, and the other is kind of secondhand. I heard from a, a friend. So the first one, this took place probably in 2007 or so. Uh, my friends and I were all in high school at the time, and we were, I think, 16. Most of us, I was 16 at the time. We were teenagers, were stupid. So what we were doing that particular night is we had stolen some watermelons from a nearby grocery store, how sometimes they keep big containers of them out in front when they're in season. I should emphasize completely sober, not drinking, not smoking, nothing. So we had driven out to this park in my hometown and we were in the parking lot and we were breaking the watermelons. Stupid teenager stuff, I guess. And there were probably six or seven of us at that time. And we're in the parking lot talking and joking around breaking the watermelons and this is i would say 9 or 10 p.m at night then behind us in the sky goes off this bright white light it goes from complete pitch blackness out in this park 10 p.m in the middle of a parking lot nobody around no lights totally dark and in a second it's as bright as daylight there's no sound that accompanied it no motion that we could see in the sky or anything flying around, nothing like that. Just for maybe two or three seconds, complete daylight, bright as if it was noon. No sound. We all kind of look at each other and pretty quickly decide to call it a night and go home and go our separate ways. I've since spoken with some of my friends that I'm still in, that I you know keep in touch with in high school. Everyone remembers it. Nobody has any explanation or thought of what it might have been just a really weird thing that happened one night so that happened to me directly my other story is uh takes place much later i was working in my same hometown as a bartender at a brewery this was maybe three or four years ago and one of my regulars came in he grew up in the area as well and told me a story of seeing a shadow person i guess is what you would say he and his friends were driving one night on a back road, headlights on, it's dark out. And as they're driving, he was uh, he was driving the car. As they're as he's driving, he sees a human figure, a shape, walk across the road directly in their headlights. He's got his brights on, yet when this person walks into the headlights, there's no definition, there's no, not there's nothing illuminated. It's just the silhouette of a shape of a person completely blacked out he sees it and has a moment in his mind silently where he goes well here we go i'm losing my mind this is i'm, I'm hallucinating i'm seeing something crazy he keeps his mouth shut doesn't say anything to anybody anybody in the car they go another mile or two and everyone's just silent that his friend was in the back seat asleep he has another friend in the passenger seat and after a bit of silence the passenger turns to him and says you saw that too, right? Like, I didn't just hallucinate this silhouette walking to the street, right? You saw that. And uh, the guy driving, the the, the, uh, the driver has to admit, like, yeah, we both saw that. We saw a silhouette of a human person walk into the, the bright headlights and nothing was illuminated except their silhouette. And it crossed through before they were able to, you know, get up close or hit it or anything. But just a weird thing that uh, I was told, so... Love the podcast. Keep it up, and hopefully this gets played. Bye. Thank you, Michael. 
If I had to take a guess, I'd say that maybe you guys experienced a meteor burning up in the atmosphere. I've seen a couple of these myself, uh, once personally and a lot of times on, you know, dash cam and stuff from Russia. But essentially what you see is a bright flash of light as the rock hits the atmosphere and burns up. Now it can actually get bright enough to appear daylight for a moment or two, which kind of fits the bill for what Michael and his friends experienced that evening. Now, as for the disappearing pedestrian story, your guess is as good as mine on that one, but it certainly sounds familiar. We've had several calls about, uh, you know, darkened figures that people could see from a distance. Perhaps these are shadow men, or maybe a play on the glimmer man uh, phenomenon. Either way, thank you so much, Michael, for taking the time to share your call. Now, our next call comes to us from the state of Oregon, and the following is Dan's submission. Hi, Derek. Hi, everybody. This is Dan from Oregon. I live in the Portland metro area, but I grew up in the northeastern Sierra Nevada high desert mountains uh, of Oregon. And this is a multiple witness uh, UFO story. I like to go camping out there. I love, I would love to live out there, but this is where the money's at, metro area. At least that's what I thought years ago when I moved here. And this happened about uh, four years ago, I guess. I think it was July. And it's really dry and hot uh, during the day out there in the summertime, but it's pretty cool at night. So anyway, it was the first day of our annual week-long camping trip. And it was myself and my daughter, who was, I think, about eight at the time, and uh, my girlfriend. And... We took the Jeep up there. I was kind of trying to find some old stomping grounds out in the mountains out there to camp in, but there's a lot of roads that were water-barred and overgrown and and a lot of different new new roads that I was not familiar with, some of them on the map, some of them not. I'm driving around for most of the day uh, looking for another way to get into this area that I want to get into. And I drive all the way around to end up in... Uh, I'm up above North Fork of the Burnt River, uh, if you want to look it up. I end up around the West Fork, and I notice that the gravel roads are very new that we're driving on, especially compared to a lot of the other ones out there. Anyway, and it's wrapping around kind of sort of in the right direction I want to go, but way too far in the wrong direction overall. So anyway, uh, I kind of knew it was going to happen, but that road kind of dead ends. Uh, very near the highway, um, probably, I don't know, maybe 100 yards, 7,500 yards away from the highway, and found out that the road was there because apparently they were putting, like, fiber optics through there, and at the end of the road, they had cleared out this very large area in this um, clump of very tall evergreen trees, and there they had a big fire pit there. You could tell they had, you know, equipment there, but it was summer weekend, and so everything was cleared out. And by the time we got there, it was, even though we were close to the highway, it was really late in the day. It was getting close to dark, so we decided to set up camp there. Anyway, after we set up camp, got a fire going, ate, uh, we decided to walk away from the fire down the gravel road. Because, um, you know, even though it's a highway there, it's out in the middle of nowhere. There's no, hardly any traffic, you know, the odd uh, semi-truck driving through, logging truck, whatever. Um, but that's about it. And up the road from us so the highway was uphill from us a little bit and you couldn't see it but you could see because of it being uphill from us you could see you know with the cut of the road where the trees were growing and then all of a sudden you see a gap that goes up a hill and you see the, the trees go up again so you could see the cut of the road and as it went from right to left from our perspective on this uh, gravel road that was parallel to it um, it also went up in in altitude to our left since so you, you'd see the cut of the road and then you could also see where at the top of the hill where it dropped off um went over the other side of the hill you could see the cut cresting over the over the hill and near the top of the hill there's a campground like maybe two or three miles away but from where you we were you could see where the campground was and kiddos on my shoulders and 
we're looking up at the stars, and uh, we're far enough away from the fire that there's no light pollution. We couldn't even hear it anymore. And um, we're pointing out constellations, you know, as our eyes adjust and see all these awesome stars and everything. We're pointing out all this stuff and planets. And uh, I, I think I look over, and I think it was me that said, wow, that's a really bright one. And it was to our right up in the sky, of course, um, but relatively low in the sky as, as far as, you know, probably maybe, I don't know, like 30, 40 degrees off the ground and the, in like to our two o'clock position as we were looking straight towards this road that was parallel to us, the highway that was parallel to the gravel road we were on. Well, anyway, I said, that's pretty bright. And uh, my girlfriend said, is that even a star? And I said, I don't know. And it was just a bright ball of white light in the sky not like offensive hurt your eyes white light but very bright and soft i guess and i swear as soon as we noticed it all three of us focused our attention on it it started coming directly towards us and it was the strangest thing because you could tell we could all tell that it was coming towards us like it knew we were looking at it or something but it never in perspective got any bigger and it wasn't going towards the fire it wasn't going towards the like the campground or on its own merry trajectory it was coming directly at us in the dark on a mountaintop on a gravel road you can't hear anything see anything it's just uh black you know dark with sky you know uh, starry sky not a cloud in the sky so this thing comes straight at us straight at us and like I said, it, it, it didn't get any like bigger or smaller in perspective the entire time. It, we could tell it was getting closer to us. And, you know, of course, the first thing I thought was, you know, like it's a, you know, aircraft or whatever. And we were discussing this as it's coming towards us. I was like, is, it, is that an airplane? Or is it, you know, is it a helicopter? What is that? Uh, it wasn't a car coming down the road. We couldn't hear anything. Never heard a single sound during this entire incident, by the way. There was not, it wasn't a car. Um, it was definitely not a drone. It was no aircraft or anything that I've ever seen. And we knew because when it got to us, relatively to us, it got to the highway and it abruptly turned to our left, to its right, as if the, it was very interested in us. And then it suddenly it got to the road and it was very interested in the road. And so when it came towards us, it was going a to our, from our perspective, it looked like it was going very straight and descending, coming straight towards us. And it kind of barely came over, look, not barely, it was quite a ways up in the sky still, but it, as it came towards us, um, from our perspective, it dropped in front of the hill that was in front of us. So it's in between us and the hill behind it, and right, right over the highway, right in front of us. And I don't know if anybody knows or remembers what a medicine ball is, but it, that's about the, the size that it looked like. And it was this bright white round orb. You could tell it was round, you know, and physical, spherical, very, very three-dimensional. And it made this abrupt turn to the left and then started undulating, not up and down, but left and right like a, like a, like a snake moves or like a dog sniffing, like it was checking out the highway. Um, and it just lost, seemed like it lost interest in us, if, if if even we were the interest in the first place, but it certainly seemed like it. And it moved from our right to our left and just followed the highway. And, you know, it, it came down and was in front of these trees, but it wasn't projecting light. There was a little tiny, like, trail of light, like tracer, I guess they call it, behind it, but not very long. And it just moved kind of not really slow but not really fast um just nonchalantly but like a like a dog sniffing like a, a like a hound dog in a in a field looking for a mouse or a rabbit or something not really running but moving sniffing around with a mission kind of that that kind of speed and it was just back and forth moving back and forth uh following the highway up the hill from our perspective um and away from us to our left following the cut of the road until it got to that campground right before it got to that campground and then just blinked out of existence. And when I say that, I mean it, so when it was following the cut of the road, it, the, the trees and the hill that were behind it dropped away. So that you could see the stars behind it again. And when it blinked out, 
you couldn't it wasn't there was nothing there blocking the stars out and it wasn't like there was a blur or anything like that from our visual perspective it disappeared and that was it uh like i said it was myself my daughter my girlfriend and uh yeah we witnessed that it was no sort of aircraft or any vehicle on the ground or atv no sound no nothing it was nothing like i've ever seen before or since i said it before but i have aviation experience a lot of uh quite a bit of flight time (laughs) uh night day i've yeah been been around that block and uh, it's nothing like nothing i've ever seen and uh, I was witnessed by me and two other people randomly. Keep up the good work and uh, God bless you all. Take care. Thank you, Dan. Your story caught me in a trap and it's one I've fallen for several times. See, it was right around the time that I started the show. I was traveling back from my apartment in Mid City, which is uh, practically downtown LA. I had to go to Beverly Hills late at night to pick something up from the office. So I jumped on the bike and shot on over. That's when I noticed something hovering over the city. Something bright and big. Now it certainly wasn't strange to see a helicopter over Los Angeles. At any given time you can see upwards of a dozen. But this didn't look like a helicopter. And it didn't look like planes approaching LAX or Bob Hope Airport. This was something much, much bigger and static, and again, bright. So I actually pulled the motorcycle over and called Sarah and asked her if there was something going on that I didn't know about. Of course, she had nothing. So along the side of Wilshire Boulevard, I did some research on my phone and found out I was staring at Venus, the planet. Now how that planet could look so big and so bright blew my mind. But sure enough, I opened my Skyview app, and that's exactly what it was I was looking at. So, like many colors before you, I thought you were mistaking Venus, just as I did. But then you mentioned that the glowing orbs seemed to come in your direction. That's certainly not something that the planet Venus is able to do. At least, not from our perspective. So Dan, whatever this thing is, is still up for debate. But I love the fact that three of you happened to see it. So thanks for sharing that call, and I look forward to hearing your others. Now, as I promised in the opener, not every call tonight's going to be about aliens and UFOs. So let's change lanes here and play something a little different. Now, the following call comes to us from Abner in the state of Florida. And unless this dog was an alien, this seems to be something different altogether. Hi, my name is Abner. I live in Florida. Just calling because I usually listen to your podcast during... um my walks in the evening. I walk in a little park, actually a scrub sanctuary, Malabar scrub sanctuary. I enjoy your show. Um, my experience is more like a animal connection type of thing. Um, just walking and um, walking. It's a small park near where I live, about two miles in Florida, uh, near the, uh, um, I believe it's Melbourne. The Melbourne River, yes. Um, the town is called Malabar. And I was walking through the sanctuary area and um, going for my little walk for exercise. And a couple happened to walk by me uh, on the other side of this kind of like a divider. And uh, they had this big brown collie. And for some reason, the collie just kept looking at me. And I happened to notice it was just staring at me. And it wasn't like it was angry or didn't want to attack me or like that, but it was more as if it knew me already <laughs> for some reason. So it's the whole, the, the whole walk is about a mile. So as I take the entire walk going the opposite way, they're going the other way. And the dog, for some reason, just runs from the owner's walks up to me and just stares at me as if it wants me to pet it, as if it knew me already, like we had a connection already. It was really interesting. Um, I don't know if it was like an animal past life or something like that. It was quite fascinating. Um, I hope this is interesting enough for you. Um, 
Anyway, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you, Abner. I always joke that my cat Annabelle picked me rather than the other way around. It certainly makes me question the human-animal relationship. Perhaps they know more than they let on. Now, I do have a small theory here as to why this dog may have been so friendly. Is there any chance you maybe had some beef jerky in your pocket? That's always been a tried-and-true way to catch a dog's attention, in my experience. Thanks again, Abner, for taking the time to share your call. And now before I play the last couple calls of the evening, let me touch on a couple of these bullet points. Don't forget that AlienCon is this Friday, June 21st, and our panel starts at 10.20 a.m. And in addition, there's Scum and Villainy at 7 p.m., a little podcast meetup. The new shirts from Brett Manning are printed, and they're in the mail. So when I return from AlienCon, they should be up on the website. So maybe check back, let's say Monday. They look great, by the way. A few of you have taken advantage of the new brick uh, promotion, I suppose I'll call it. Uh, Essentially where you get to carve your name into a brick here in the studio. Again, that's $50. Any $50 donation made through the website gets you a brick. I know I've received a few donations over the past couple days. I will be reaching out to you to get your signature here shortly. A big thank you to those that have donated. And lastly... Don't forget to follow us on social media. We have a Twitter, Instagram, and two Facebook accounts. We have the main page, and of course we have the group, where all the fun takes place. So, just search Monsters Among Us Podcast, and you'll find us on any of those platforms. And lastly, Patreon. For those of you looking for new content, Patreon's the way to get it. I currently have 17 back episodes, and I release two more per month, for a measly $4 a month pledge. Just visit patreon.com and again search Monsters Among Us podcast. I'll have a new episode coming out here very shortly. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. If you have a story you'd like to share, simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And keep in mind, I'm still looking for trucker calls, any strange experience you've had on the road driving truck. And in addition, the season finales are right around the corner. So if you have any last-minute hometown legends you'd like to submit, now's the time to do that. And speaking of the season finale, that means I get to take a little vacation. So if you're looking for something to fill the void that MAU leaves for that couple of weeks, might I suggest the confessionals. believe in the paranormal and Wes and I were you know we were touching and we went and we put our hands on her to start praying and it was like she's gone she's on the other side of the parking lot like literally like for lack of a better word what the hell just happened like whatever this was was from the pits of hell are you on a constant quest to find cryptids and all three of them were merging on the car and I looked over and I looked up and it was kind of looking down at us and it reminded me of a monkey it it got down like it was going to charge us. It was so big, I felt like it could have grabbed the side of the car and flipped it over. Is your mind swirling with weird conspiracy theories? Throughout the summer of 2001, we knew about the 9-11 attack. We absolutely knew about it, and we talked about it all the time. Your family might think you're crazy, but we have good news for you. You're not alone. The Confessionals is a podcast where witnesses of the unexplained share their personal encounter stories. From UFOs and Bigfoot to hauntings, demons, and conspiracies. Come join us every Tuesday for a mysterious and creepy new episode. You can find The Confessionals on your favorite podcast player and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Let's go. Okay, let's get back into the action. And to kick things off, we'll do so with Cheyenne in the state of New Hampshire. Hi, Derek. Cheyenne from New Hampshire, but this one, this one's pretty quick, make it nice and cut and dry for you. Uh, back when I was in high school, probably around 2010 to 2012, around there, um, my friends and I used to go to this 
elementary school and play manhunt at night. So we'd all bring flashlights and there was probably like at most five of us and we'd run around and people would climb in trees or in the dumpster, climb on top of the gazebo, like really intense manhunt, but that's what we like to do and it was fun. And um, maybe honest, we did partake in burning the devil's lettuce once in a while. So I'm gonna preface with that, but this is a story of a possible, or at least a very strange unidentified flying object, like the technical definition for UFO. So we were playing this game and I think I was hiding, hiding somewhere that I was looking up at the sky and waiting for the other person to find me. I was, I don't know, behind a dumpster or something. And I remember watching all these airplanes that were like all going the same direction. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And I'm watching them. And then there's more and more. And there's like 10, 15 airplanes all going the same direction. I mean, they're pretty spaced out all over the sky, but they're all going the same direction. And I couldn't tell you the compass direction, like the cardinal direction that they were going. But they're all going one way. And I'm watching them. They're all kind of following this one other plane and it goes down a little ways I'm like oh this is kind of cool like this is weird why where's everyone going is there like is there some cool like airplane show I don't know so the the plane at the very front all of a sudden just takes like a sharp left turn like I've never seen an airplane do this so whatever was in the front that craft there's, they're all like little lights, you know, it's nighttime, but you can tell they're airplanes because they have the flashing lights and stuff. And then there's like a light at the front and they're all pretty high up. So I can't really tell how big they are or anything, but I assumed they were all airplanes. And the one at the front takes a sharp left turn. Like, I am not kidding you. If, if I could show you, <laughs> it like almost turns sideways to take that left. And then all the planes behind it also turned that direction and started flying to the left and i'm sitting there watching it and my friends found me and i was like guys did you see those airplanes that was so weird they're like what are you talking about and i was like you didn't see there were like 10 or 20 airplanes up there they're all following this one and it took a sharp left turn i was like i think we just i think i saw an alien and they were like you're crazy are you stoned and i was like no i really think i just saw a ufo and no one else saw it and no one believed me but I don't know, it was weird. I don't know what kind of aircraft can turn, like take a 90 degree turn like that. That was the weirdest part. And all the planes followed after it. So I'm guessing either, I have no idea. It could have been some weird like military training. I don't know why it would have been at like nine o'clock at night, but if we were teenagers, we were always out late doing obnoxious stuff, but. Yeah, I don't know. It was very strange. I don't know if you have any ideas. It was Nashua, New Hampshire, somewhere between 2010 and 2012, and pretty late at night. It was like dark, dark out. So during the summer, it was probably like 9 p.m. or something. All right, I'll call back with more stories. Love the podcast. Bye. Thank you, Cheyenne. Now, as many of you know, I'm one of the guest hosts on the television show Paranormal Caught on Camera on Travel Channel, every Wednesday at, believe, 10 p.m. Now, on that show, they give us a ton of clips to view over, and many of them, in my opinion, stem from air shows. You'll see bright lights off in the distance doing uh, stunts and acrobatic aeronautical moves, if that's such a thing. So perhaps this is simply what it is that Cheyenne saw that evening. Did she witness some sort of dry run for an upcoming air show? Or perhaps a nighttime air show? She didn't specify which day of the week this story took place, so if this happened on a random Tuesday or Wednesday, I think the chances of this being the case are slimmer than if it happened on a Friday night or Saturday. Either way, thank you very much, Cheyenne, for taking the time to share that call. And again, as I teased early in the show, it's time for a Bigfoot call. The following comes to us from Jamie in Canada. Hey Derek, 
It's Jamie Collin from Alberta, Canada. I spent a number of years in Prince George, British Columbia, going to school and working there probably about almost 14 years. And during that time, I spent a lot of time hiking in the mountains there with my good buddy, Greg. And we went out one day to an old growth forest in the McGregor Mountain Range. It turned out it was a nice day. Uh, when we started off on the hike, it was at the bottom of a mountain. We were traveling to the top. We were on a trail about 10 feet wide. A thunderstorm started rolling in, coming from, I think, the west, maybe northwest. And Greg tells me, stand there for a sec, I want to take your picture. So I turn around on the trail, and I'm standing on the edge of this 10-foot trail. And uh, he puts his camera up, and he's about to snap the shot. And then he just has this look of shock on his face. He balls up his fists like he's about to fight me. And I laugh, I say, what are you doing? And he said, you know, something black just stood up beside you, like it was crouched down, big and black, he said, stood up and then just disappeared. He said, I was so shocked I didn't snap the photo, but he said, I just was gonna throw it down and then attack it because I thought you were gonna be in trouble. And we both stood there and kind of laughed it off for a few minutes and got a drink of water and headed back up the mountain and into the thunderstorm. I thought that was something strange. thought you might want to use it. Uh, appreciate the podcast. And I just wanted to support you because uh, you need stories. Have a good day. Thank you, Jamie. Man, I really wish Greg would have snapped that picture before he put his dukes up. Perhaps we would have got a good look at what scared him so badly. Now, I chose this particular Bigfoot call because because it almost seemed like it disappeared. It almost seemed like the creature appeared and disappeared. A phenomenon many Bigfoot researchers... A phenomenon some Bigfoot researchers call cloaking. Now, this is relevant to today's show because... A lot of Bigfoot encounters are actually accompanied by uh, UFO sightings, or at the very least, glowing orb sightings. And some researchers have made the leap that this translates to Bigfoot being some sort of extraterrestrial. A lot of people laugh and scoff at this claim, but it makes just as much sense as anything else. There's no fossil record for this creature existing on this continent, just as there's no proof that there's any extraterrestrials visiting here. I'm certainly not going to say that I believe in this theory, but like anything else, anything is possible. Thank you again, Jamie, for sharing that story. Man, I really wish he would have took that picture. And for the last call of the evening. I actually don't know what this one's about. I logged it many months ago and simply called it Strange Things Near Skinwalker Ranch. So I'm just as excited to hear about this one as you are. The following is Jane's call from the state of Utah. Hello, Derek and Monsters Among Us fans. Uh, My name is Jane, and I grew up in Utah. Uh, I now live in the Pacific Northwest. I've had a lot of interesting experiences in my life. Some of my very earliest memories involved a sort of haunting that I would like to tell you about. So... Um, When I was very young, my family bought a place in eastern Utah, and it was like a a hunting lodge, and we would visit it on vacations and holidays and things like that, so we didn't live there. And it was a really interesting place, though. It was built to be like a boys' camp, and it was a long room divided. It It was like a long building divided in basically two rooms. There was a living dining kitchen and then then there was a door and then there was a dormitory style bedroom and bathrooms and things like that on the other side so there's many many things that happened there one thing that would happen was that you could hear talking when nobody was talking and I I remember this so clearly and I was about 
three years old or so, um, three or three or maybe four years old. So I remember um, being in the living room and that people had stopped by to visit and, and everybody was talking and then there was a lull in the conversation and all of a sudden you could hear that kind of sound, really strange. And I just remember observing the visitors and noticing that they seemed to be fearful of that experience. And for me, it was just, I didn't understand why they were afraid because I think I was just used to it. But that was a frequent thing that you would hear, sounds like that. And then there was a, <laughs> the, the ghost, the ghost or whatever was going on out there. They liked to party. So there were times, and I remember this very clearly, even though I was very young. So I remember us being back in the dormitory room, all the lights were off, it's completely dark, and uh, everybody's asleep. And then all of a sudden, in the other part of the house, the lights are on, you hear people talking, glasses clinking, and I just remember it so clearly. And then I remember seeing my dad get up with his pistol in his hand and walking past me and going down there. And then when he when he touched the doorknob, then all the sound stopped and there was just, the lights were still on out there though, but it was everything was completely still. Everything was locked up. There was no nobody there that shouldn't have been there. So I remember my dad, on one occasion that has happened, I remember him going around and the next morning and checking under all the windows and checking all the doors and looking for footprints and not finding anything. And it was something, apparently, I remember just the one time, but apparently it happened more than once. Some other things that happened, uh, my sister, my older sister reported waking up from sleep and finding that a woman was standing over her and she described the woman as wearing sort of voluminous black skirts, all dressed in black, and a hat with a feather in it, um, sort of a Victorian-style dress, I think, and that she was very frightened when that happened. So none of these things scared me, but I did get very scared at one point. And so I'll tell you that now. So what happened is I was laying in my crib, so I was about three years old, and I, I remember waking up and... I could hear that whispering sound all around me and I didn't open my eyes. I could feel beings around me and their hands were touching me. They were like hands touching and, and, and pressing down on me. And I had the awareness that they were there and that I didn't want them to know that I was awake and I didn't want them to know that I knew that they were there somehow. I don't know why I thought that. Possibly it had happened before, I don't recall. So I laid there and I, I just remember feeling the sweat trickle off of my body. I remember the scratchiness of the wool blanket. It was very hot. It was probably summertime in the, and it was probably an afternoon nap that I was taking. And then I quickly jumped up, scrambled out of my crib, ran out of the house, out into the yard and down this you know dusty driveway that was a really long driveway. And I hid behind a sagebrush. And I just squatted there, hiding there until my family came back. They had just gone for a little walk down to the river, you know, and I was so angry at them and they didn't understand, I don't think, why I was so upset with them. And I was trying to explain what happened. Um, so, and that, that was, I was very, very frightened. So could that have been sleep paralysis? It definitely could have. However, I've had other similar experiences where I definitely wasn't asleep. So... It's hard to say for sure. And I was, I was very, very young, uh, obviously. So anyway, so I was very interested to hear. So I've been listening to the podcast. I've actually been binge listening for the last two weeks. I'm down to my last three episodes. What am I going to do when I run out? Probably start over. Anyway, so I always felt like that place was a, just a, a really, the energy was, was very spiritual in that whole area. Like, I don't know exactly how to describe it. So it's, it just felt very special out there to me. It felt like a place where maybe the veil was thinner or something like that. There were just interesting energies there. So as I, anyways, I've listened to the podcast. I've heard a couple of mentions of Skinwalker Ranch. One day I decided I heard it was in Utah. Oh, wow. I wonder where that is. So when I looked it up, I was very surprised to learn that it's just a few miles away from my family's property. That property that we had was side of the town of Altamont, which is a tiny town. This was probably a few miles away, but in the same county, uh, the same area. And so I don't know 
all the details about Skinwalker Ranch, but apparently some weird things went down there. Um, and I, I thought it was very interesting that it was so close to the place that my family had. Anyway, love this show. I'm really, really enjoying it. And um, keep it up. Thanks. Thank you, Jane. I'll be honest, it didn't go in the direction that I thought it was going to go. I thought for sure we were going to be talking about strange lights in the sky, or cryptid wolves, or some of the other strange phenomenon that took place in and around Skinwalker Ranch. Now for those of you unfamiliar, Skinwalker Ranch is a ranch located in eastern Utah that was recently purchased by billionaire and scientist Robert Bigelow. Now apparently they're doing all kinds of testing and research there. But the big mystery is, what are they researching? And what are they finding? There certainly seems to be a lot of activity in that area, and if it's something you're interested in, there is no shortage of documentaries and books on the subject. Thank you again, Jane, for taking the time to share your tale. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Tony Bell, Warren Pond Abbott, and Eddie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And the amazing music you're hearing comes from the talented artist, Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. Tonight's bonus story was submitted anonymously. The storyline simply reads, Strange Things in the Sky Near O'Hare Airport, circa 1994-1995. Hi Derek, I've been listening to your podcast for about a year now, and I love it. I have been going back and forth in my mind regarding my experience, and if I should tell what happened. I am going to remain anonymous for now, as I am very active in the Facebook group, and I know people personally that listen to the show that I have not told this story to. I guess I am just scared that I won't be believed. Well, here goes nothing. I was born and raised near O'Hare Airport, practically in its backyard. So I know what planes and helicopters sound and look like. The sounds and sights were part of everyday life. In 1994 or 1995, I was about 15 years old. And just as a note, I've never drank, smoked, or done drugs in my entire life, so I was completely sober at the time. One of my best friends lived a block or so away from me, so we could easily walk or ride our bikes to each other's houses within minutes. Our neighborhoods did not have sidewalks, so you just had to keep to the side of the road. I believe it was summer because it was warm. I was headed back from her house on my bike. We had a storm headed our way, so I was trying to get home before the rain started. It was dark enough for the streetlights to have come on, so it must have been at least 8 or 9 p.m. It was extremely windy, but I was able to ride my bike without any problem. On the corner of our street was a streetlight, so where I was riding was dark as I hadn't quite made it to that light yet. Then all of a sudden, there was an extremely bright light that beamed down from the sky and surrounded me. It almost reminded me of a spotlight from a helicopter but this was much brighter, almost blinding. And there was absolutely no noise, so I know it wasn't a helicopter or an airplane. It was not lightning because I could see the areas outside of the light were still dark. I suddenly felt as if I was pedaling on a stationary bike or stuck in the mud. I was on pavement. I could not get to that corner with a street light. And finally, after what felt like forever... The light instantly disappeared, and I was able to move forward. I rushed home and told my dad what had happened, 
Being the skeptic he is, he chalked it up to me having an overactive imagination. But it's worth noting I did not lose time that I know of. I never told another person until recently when I told my husband. It makes me anxious just talking about it. I had never experienced anything like that prior to this incident or since. I want to see if anyone else has ever experienced something like this. I'm not saying that it was aliens, but I would like to know that I'm not crazy. All I know is something happened to me that night. Thank you for that submission. And believe it or not, this is not the first time a UFO is seen around O'Hare Airport. The following clip comes to us via CNN. Flights come to Chicago's O'Hare Airport from all over the world. But do they come from other worlds? You don't believe this was possibly your imagination? It was definitely not my imagination. Joe was a mechanic for United Airlines. While taxiing a jumbo jet to the hangar, he and another mechanic looked out the window in the general direction and noticed an object up in the sky, um, dark gray object sitting above the terminal complex. Joe, which is not his real name, is one of several airport workers, some of whom have talked to the Chicago Tribune, who say they saw a saucer-shaped UFO hovering just beneath the clouds at the airport. He's the first to go on camera to talk about it since this happened several weeks ago. He wants to remain anonymous. But you're sure it was some kind of object that normally would not be above O'Hare Airport? I've been at O'Hare for quite some time, and let's just say that I've never seen an object in my time there that looked like this. And, and I'll tell you definitely, it was not an airplane as we know it. But it could be an airplane as another world knows it. Possibly. We brought in one of Chicago's top sketch artists. Followed the contours of, of the object. To listen to Joe and draw a picture of what he says he saw. More of like an oval, dark gray oval. Because no photos have surfaced, and Joe doesn't know of any. Now, it didn't say Goodyear on it, did it? No Goodyear, no. That's a really good drawing. Is that what it looks like? Very much so, yeah. Other witnesses told an organization called the National UFO Reporting Center that the object eventually shot straight up in the sky at a great rate of speed. It looked like literally someone had poked a hole in the clouds. It's a round hole. Joe thinks the disk is either a stealthy military project or a spacecraft from another planet. But... I find it very strange or very peculiar that somebody who possesses the technology to travel between star systems would sit over an airport in Chicago. Hard to argue that. A spokesperson for United Airlines says we are aware of what the employees said they saw, but this is not something United would investigate. Talk to the FAA, says the airline. The TSA and the Chicago Department of Aviation also told us to talk to the FAA. So we did. And an FAA spokesperson told us we, too, don't have the power to investigate. The FAA adds that radar did not pick up anything out of the ordinary, and the sighting might have been caused by a weather phenomenon. And you don't believe it was a weather phenomenon? Not at all. Not for a minute. O'Hare has apparently been UFO-free since that November afternoon, although Joe now tends to pay special attention to that same patch of airport sky. Gary Tuckman, CNN, Chicago. So obviously, whatever's going on in the skies above O'Hare wasn't only experienced by our submitter. Thanks again for submitting that call, and thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a great night. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To get behind the wheel. To go out on the open road. To feel a rush of adrenaline. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. But it becomes an exhilarating experience. 
the Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open, but the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to Counterclock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.